Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo. I'm joined here by the joyful Chris Wesley. How are you doing on this joyful, joyful day? I'm doing swell. John, you're so much better at introductions than I am. Um, <laughs> you're so complimentary and uh, flattering, and and so I do appreciate that. Yeah, it's joy. I love fall. I just uh, when we're recording this, it's it's fall weather, and it just feels good. Those uh, I, I know that this probably doesn't happen in Las Vegas, but crisp nights, leaves changing colors, you know, pumpkin spice through the through the nose, or uh, I don't know, like whatever the phrase is. <laughs> through the yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> pumpkin spice through the nose. I don't even know what that means. That sounds Google like it. it could hurt. <laughs> Ow. Well, uh, speaking of cinnamon, no, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yes, it is a, a joyful time of year for me. Um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for checking well, in. I'll tell you, here's what happens in Vegas when it comes to fall. It, it's still, what's today? It's, it's, it's September. This episode's coming out in October, but, but it's September, late September right now. Uh, it's still like 98 degrees outside. But here's what happens with fall here, and I'm already starting to see this. The trees, I have trees. They have leaves on it, believe it or not, all right? So, uh, but they don't change color. They're green. And then they just fall off. <laughs> like there is no transition whatsoever. It's it's actually quite funny. I'm already starting to see it. Like they're just falling off. Like why are they falling off? Uh, it's like the internal clock is saying it's fall because it's like mid-September while we're mm -hmm. recording this. But like it's still like 100 degrees outside. It's like they don't know what to do. It's hilarious. The trees are confused as well. Now that brings me to a good question. Um, you know, because uh, um, as people who have listened to this for a long time know that John and I have done some uh, – episodes where we're both in the same place at the same time. And, and one of my favorite memories in the last year and a half was coming out to Vegas and John showed me his house and in the backyard, he's got like all sorts of fruit trees. In fact, you know, when my wife and I flew into Vegas, John and his, and his kids picked us up and he presented me with peaches and they were delicious. Um, and, uh, and uh, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this, John, is like, do the fruit, does the fruit just grow year round or is, it, uh, is the fruit falling off the tree along with the leaves? Uh, it will fall off the tree if you don't pick it off. So, no, it, they, I think the fruit bears fruit sooner than in some other places. But like, yeah, I've got a peach and nectarine tree. I've got a pear tree, a plum tree, and a pomegranate tree. Uh, and the, the peaches and, and, and nectarines come off in, in June, the pears, the plums in June as well, the pears in September, and the pomegranate in November. And so we get some fruit, you know, but really it's, it's a quick season. They go from like nothing you know, in like April, all of a sudden there's these huge peaches on the tree and then they're ready to be picked off. So uh, yeah, it's really interesting that, yeah, we believe it or not, we can grow fruit out here in the desert. It's awesome. It's incredible. Well, and that's another thing I love about this time of year is it's the harvest, right? It's the harvest. And, and so uh, um, not that I'm a farmer, but people have uh, uh, farms have, you know, uh, planted seeds and grown their crops. And, and now it's time for for apple picking and pumpkin picking and, you know, in John's case, plum picking. Uh, but uh, the reason I'm bringing up this conversation about fruit is not only because I'm hungry, but uh, because I was talking with a good friend of ours, uh, John, someone we both know, and uh, we were talking about evangelization. And she made this comment about how, you know, with everything going on in the world, there's this, this huge thirst and hunger to get to know God and truth, right? Even if people can't articulate that. And I, and I think this is something that 
we've been talking about for a while, but especially with everything going on, there's this thirst and this hunger. And she made this comment that the fruit is not only ripe for the picking, but it's literally falling off the trees. And if it falls off the trees, people who are familiar with fruit falling off the trees, if it hits the ground, that's when it starts to, to rot and, and is no longer okay. So what we as Christians, as, uh, as Catholics, as followers of Christ, need to be aware of is that the fruit is not only ripe for picking, but it's about to fall off the tree and we got to catch it. Um, and so we're in this season of life where there is so much thirst and hunger, even though there's disaffiliation and unaffiliation going on throughout the church, there's still a desire there because God has created us with that desire. And so the question is that, that I'd love to tackle today is how, as, how are we, the local church, trying to evangelize, um, especially with the unaffiliation and disaffiliation going on? Yeah, I, I think this is really pertinent. You know, it's interesting, Chris, that you brought up this topic because uh, I'm rereading uh, Pope Francis's Joy of the Gospel right now, mm. uh, and which, of course, is about evangelization, right? You know, and, and how do we evangelize? And it's really intriguing to me as I read it again, that I'm sitting there going, this, this book, at least to me, my interpretation, it, it is more pertinent today in 2020 than it was when it came out earlier this decade. Because I'm just sitting and going with everything going on, right? This is not a COVID podcast, but but with everything going on with COVID and and pandemics and 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 racial stuff and elections and polarization and judgment and social media craziness, like just with all that stuff going on, there is still this desire for for truth. People are trying to seek truth. People are trying to seek deeper and go at it. And 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 that's the question for us, right? When I read you the gospel. How are we living that out in, that, in this time of 2020 and beyond, right? A year that will go down in infamy that most of us would rather forget. And can we just move on to 2021, right? But I'm, I, read this, I read Joy of the Gospel. I'm sitting there going, I, I want more people to read this because Pope Francis get at the heart of what we are about. And, and this is me being judgmental, right? I don't feel like we're doing enough of what Pope Francis is saying when it comes to the evangelization, when it comes to what, what your friend Sarah is saying, is like, how do we pick that fruit? How do we do that? Uh, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling convicted, but honestly, I, I'm also feeling like, I don't know what to do. Like I'm convicted. I want to move, but I'm not sure what that looks like. And now you add how this pandemic has changed the face of the church. And, and how we go about doing things, there is, this is the opportunity to really revisit evangelization and what it means for us as parishes to evangelize, not just the people who, who are coming to mass every week, regardless of whether there's a, a pandemic, where, whether mass is outside, inside, you know, wherever, but all the others, right? Yeah. And how do we share the good news? I have to say that's probably an area that I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing that good of a job, to be quite honestly. Yeah, I, I have to admit that I haven't done a great job. And um, my reasoning for it or my excuse, however you want to phrase it, is, is it has been a lack of confidence in, in being able to articulate the faith. Right. Um, and so I think that's kind of where we need to start is if you as an individual. Right. Like, let's, let's just take out like that's your job as uh, a DRE or a, um, you know, um, uh, someone who's in charge of outreach or whatnot in your parish, like 
take your job away as a Catholic, as an individual Catholic, we're called to evangelize. So the question is like, how am I doing with that? And if I'm not doing a great job, why is that? Is it because, you know, um, you haven't really challenged yourself to go outside a scope of non-Catholics, right? Like, I mean, that, that's fair to say, right? Like, like how many of your friends are Catholic? How many of your friends are, um, are uh, non-Catholics? Um, are you just not confident in your faith? Like you're just afraid to get into a, a conversation that could get a little bit difficult where someone asks the big questions, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Or how could a, a God love, um, love us all yet the church says this and this and this about certain groups, right? And, and that's where I think, you know, for us as individuals, we have to take our formation very seriously, right? Our own personal discipleship very seriously. And so if you're only reading the Bible because you're preparing for a message, if you're only jumping into church, church teaching because you're putting together questions or, you know, um, looking at uh, or reading a document because your diocese is mandating that you read that document, then you're only doing yourself, uh, you're, 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 you're not doing yourself a favor. You're only limiting your ability to do that. So I think first place to start is, is a self-evaluation and second place is to start looking at like our own formation and how we're investing in our spiritual, intellectual, you know, human and, and pastoral uh, formation. You know, Chris, it's really interesting that you say that because I've been, I think it's fair to say that during these past many months, I have been more attuned to the movements of the spirit in my life because I think as crazy as it's been, uh, it's through that crisis, through that craziness that I think opened up the heart. And one of the things that that Christ has said to me quite clearly numerous times over the past two months is he's told me to get healthy. And I've really sat with that. I'm like, what does he mean by get healthy? Certainly there's a physical aspect. I understand that, you know, I'm being much more intentional now that our gyms are open, other things are open. I'd be much more intentional about that. I'm trying to eat better now because I'm just like the rest of you did not eat well during pandemic time, right? When we're all quarantined at home and, and I'm, you know, I'm suffering, you know, from that in some way, shape or form. My Let, let me just say, John, <laughs> is like 10 times skinnier than I am. And, you know, but, but here, here's how I measure my fitness. Yeah. How close to an eight minute mile am I, Chris? Before the pandemic, I was pretty close to an eight minute mile holding about a 5k, you know, uh, time frame, right? You know, um, right now I'm at like a 10 minute mile. Okay. So that's how I'm measuring my fitness. It, I, right? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just teasing with you, John. Like, yeah, like, you know, I could fast for 10 days and never get skinny as John does, but yes, yes. No. But, but, but I reflected on this idea of get healthy. Like, I think there's multiple things. There's the physical side, but then there's, it's very clear that mentally, how do I, you know, mentally getting healthy and clearing myself, but also spiritually, right? What does it mean by that? How has God challenged me spiritually? So, so I, there's been this movement in me saying, get healthy, get healthy, get healthy. And I'm trying to figure out spiritually, from a, certainly from an evangelization point of view, like what does that mean for me to get healthy? Because what I have discovered is that how my family has evangelized best has actually nothing to do with what I know, right? You know, I know you were talking about formation. I don't want to dismiss that. We, we need to continue to form it, not because we're preparing for something, but for our own edification, for our own knowledge. I totally agree with that. But I think also at the same time, I evangelize through joy, 
right? As, mm. as, as, as Pope Francis talks about, enjoy the gospel, right? How am I joyful? I can tell you, I have not been very joyful during these past times. I fake it pretty well, right, Chris, you know? Um, but I have also said some very anti-life things <laughs> recently that is, and I say, I said, I know this is not what Jesus would say, but I'm gonna say it right now because this is what I'm feeling, right? And, and I right. say it in, in, in a safe space with my wife or with my good friends, right, you know? But my, my point is, this time has worn down on me my joyfulness, the joy of the gospel that I do have, has been squashed through this mm. time. And I think part of this idea of getting healthy for me is how do I come back to that? So, and I often say, it's, it's, I, I don't care what you know. I care more about who you know, right? What's your story? What is bringing you joy? What is life giving? Right, because you know, I want people to know Christ, and how do I best do that by modeling that in my life? Right now, we've received some compliments lately, and, and something I'm very proud of, you know, by good friends who one friend in particular says, I want my marriage to look like yours. Now, my marriage is not perfect by any way, shape, or form, but that was a huge compliment. Uh, another person said, I want to parent like you. Look, I am. I had a moment this morning with my middle child that was not Christ-like, okay? She just did not want to get ready and I was done with her, right? You know, but still those things, how I parent, how I live my marriage, how I live my life are ways that I evangelize that I think is really important because I want people to see the joy, which is ultimately the joy of Christ in me. Mm -hmm. But I've been a Debbie Downer lately. I've been negative and I don't think it's been as easy to share that joy. That's why I think that message of Francis is so much more important today. Yeah. Um, now that that's a self-reflection. We still have to get to, okay, but how do we as church do this more, which was why you brought this up in the first place, Chris. But I think you bring up a really great point and it is health, right? And, and that's like, how much time are we spending, you know, uh, taking care of ourselves, right? And, and that's something that we, we, we talk about in the cohorts we do with Marathon Youth Ministry. The first principle of leadership is like, how do you care for yourself? How, like what, like, and I know that sounds selfish, right? But so many times in church, we pour ourselves out right? We try to help other people, but we never check our own temperature. We never check our own heart rate. We never check like physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, how are we doing? And I think that that's key. So before, uh, or as you go out, because I don't want to say like, get your stuff together before you go out there. It's as you go out, you know, it's important to recognize your, your own, um, your own cup, right. And making sure that that's getting filled. Um, filled with joy so that you can spread that joy. You can spread that truth um, that, that needs to be out there. Um, when it comes to the church, uh, one of the things that I, I think is so important is like looking at how um, have we been, you know, have we made ourselves, um, have, have we isolated ourselves from the community? Um, and if we have, how do we then like expand our reach into the community, right? Um, and so it's looking at the parish and saying like how much of what we're doing is within the, the, the parish bubble or the parish community bubble and how much of uh, how are we really commissioning people to go out and make disciples in that area. And so it really causes you to look at, at some of those different strategies. Um, I know that one of the things that we're uh, that we had talked about doing 
you know, earlier, and, and I think I shared this here in the podcast, is decentralizing our programs, right? So for youth ministry, instead of our programs being on one Sunday every single week, where we expect the people to come, we decided to get away from just one day, offer them multiple days, and, and get them into homes. Now, due to, you know, certain circumstances because of everything going on, you know, that's not, uh, that's not a part of the playbook right now, but it is eventually because the more we can put those small groups into homes, into the community, especially, and not just youth small groups, but we're talking about adult small groups as well, then the more you, uh, uh, you create a, a, a witness in your community. I'll never forget, um, I used to be in a men's small group, John, at like 6.15 in the morning, right? And I loved it. It was just a great way of getting the day started. And uh, one day um, I was hosting at my house and um, one of my, uh, one of the new small group members, you know, it was his first time to my house, accidentally went two houses down to um, my neighbors and knocked on the door, you know, and this is at like six o'clock in the morning and stuff like that. Fortunately, <laughs> this neighbor and his wife are teachers and they're up super early anyhow. But later, what was great is this guy came to me and he was just like, yeah, someone knocked on my door. Uh, he's a part of a small group in your house and stuff like that. I was like, yeah. And it led to a conversation about faith and about small groups and things along those lines. And so that's like an un unintentional, but like uh, also purposeful, though. I know that sounds contradictory, right? It was unintentional how it happened, but purposeful in the fact that by meeting in the community, we become a witness in the community of things that are going on because people want to know, hey, I saw six cars you know, parked outside your house this past Tuesday, like what's going on? You had a party, you didn't invite me and you can say, no, uh, it was just a faith sharing group. If it's something you want to be a part of, then definitely jump in. Yeah, and I think the neighbor, the neighborhood piece is so essential, right? We are so isolated today, like, you know, that we don't even know our neighbors. Like I'm looking around my own community here and I really only know one neighbor and they're right across the way, right? But, you know, uh, how many uh, how many people in your neighborhood, for instance, are, are grew up Catholic? Well, it's a probably good bet that anywhere from twenty five to thirty percent, depending on where you're at in the in the country, right? right? You know, where and whether they go to your your church or not. How are we building those relationships? Right? It goes back to the conversation we had way back with Tony Vicinda about you know the neighborhood model of evangelization like how are we sending people out and I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes just go to the churchpodcast.org episode 154 i'll link to that uh, interview that we did with tony vicinda on neighborhood evangelization because it's really intriguing right but it goes back to this idea that pope francis talks about enjoy the gospel and you're naming it too that not everything needs to happen on the church grounds, right? We have to go out. Actually, it's more important that we go out, right? He says, I prefer a church that's bruised and, and dirty and smells like the sheep. Well, we don't smell like the sheep when we're, we're all together as shepherds and we don't have any sheep around us, right? You know, right, but like we've right. got to go out. And, and, and that, that message I know has resonated with a lot of people. It certainly resonates with me because we just don't do that. Look, I don't feel comfortable doing that. When I worked for Catholic Charities for three years, which was a life-changing experience for me, part of the reason it was life-changing is because I was challenged to build relationships with people that I don't usually build relationships with, right? You know, uh, doing stuff with undocumented immigrants and, and refugees and doing things with the homeless population or those that need low-income housing, right? To, to those that are on drugs, to those that ha have been released from jail, right? Those are all experiences that I got to people to connect with 
And was it uncomfortable? Oh, yes, it was. Did I enjoy every moment of it? Absolutely not. But did I grow in faith? Oh my gosh, did I ever, you know, and, and that's what we're called to. But yet we so surround ourselves by people at church that look and act and smell and think exactly like us. And that's, that's a challenge for us. And that's not just a church challenge. That's a secular challenge, right? We just, we surround ourselves by the people who are like us. Well, and, and that's where like uh, looking at the corporal works mercy is so key, right? Because, you know, um, they're all, they're all birthed from love others, right? Love God and love others. Um, but there are ways in that, just, not just with what you mentioned, John, but ways that you can evangelize through that. Like one example, right? Burying the dead, funerals. Um, I, I don't know if this has happened in, in church communities you've talked to, John, but one of the huge demands that we've now gotten at our, our parish is to stream funerals. It's to stream funerals. Now, part of it is a practicality, right? Because there's limited space and everything like that. But the fact that you can now stream a funeral, you can bring in guests and, 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 and people who knew that person who's deceased, but now they get to witness that, that funeral mass. Then now they get to see that funeral mass. They get to see the, the, the beauty of what occurs as we uh, say until later to, to the people we've loved and lost. And, and so, um, you know, looking at the corporal works of mercy and just saying like, okay, feeding the hungry, right? Like, uh, you know, shelter for or clothing the naked and everything. That's going to make me feel uncomfortable, but that's going to make me encounter people who do not know Jesus, who do not know Christ. I mean, I'm involved in a prison ministry, right? Uh, let's just say not everyone in prison came in. Well, most people who come into prison didn't really have that relationship with Christ. There's a lot of people who find Jesus in the prison. Let, let's just say that. And, and we can be that advocate and do that if we focus on the corporal works of mercy. So as a parish, whether you're the outreach coordinator, the pastor or the associate pastor, it, it can be, it, it's essential to sort of say, okay, our ministries, especially our outreach ministries, how do they extend and challenge our parishioners to go out and be a beacon of faith, worship, and witness to those around us? And to be clear, I think it's both end, right? It, it is that formation piece that you talked about at the very beginning, right? How are we growing and learning ourselves? And how do we put it into action? The, the issue for most folks, myself included, is we do one or the other, but we don't do both, right? You know, I am, at, especially with the phase of life I am in with young kids, I just feel like we don't have a lot of time. Like I'm doing a lot of formation stuff. I'm not doing a lot of active stuff. I'm not even volunteering that much in my parish right now. I mean, granted it's COVID time right now, but still like I'm feeling challenged. Like I got to go back out so, to the point that actually just recently I reached out to my Catholic charities. And again, they don't have any events right now, right? Because of the time that we're in. But I got the ball rolling. So I know I need to go out and reconnect, right? You know, and 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 to volunteer, right? I I I'm now volunteering at a local conservancy effort program here in Southern Nevada, you know, and trying to do some things from a conservancy environmental nature point of view, right? And trying to live out uh, that uh, that the teaching outside of church grounds right right uh where I, I come and i'm fed by the eucharist at church grounds but then i go off to serve right and and so i'm trying i'm challenging myself i'm challenging myself to do that right now i i i'm committed i think chris for you bringing up this topic i didn't think about it at the beginning but like I, I i feel like you're you're challenging me in a good way to recommit to something that i had at one point but it's been lost because I've gotten comfortable and I've gotten lazy to be perfectly honest. Well, and, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I think it's a challenge 
like even I, you know, I'm not just speaking to you, but speaking to myself in this too, where we are in a season where a lot of people are asking, how are you doing? And that is an open invitation to talk about Christ, to talk about faith, you know, not necessarily for them, but like, you know, um, yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately you hear these statistics of people who are getting divorces and, and um, you know, uh, just family uh, drama and even abuse that occurs and everything like that. And it's, you know, that's where we need to remind people of God's grace, right? Second Corinthians where, you know, Paul says like, you know, uh, like I, that talks about how badly he needs God's grace to, to get through the, the, the situation that he's facing. And so we need to be reminded of that. And, and we as a church need to, um, to set up systems to do that. And, and one last thing that I would kind of add to that, John, and going to your point is, you know, we focus a lot on the domestic church with catechize, uh, catechesis, right? And, and helping parents to catechize their kids. But in a way, we should also be helping parents to evangelize or not just parents to evangelize to their kids, but kids to evangelize to their parents. I mean, I know you were a youth minister, like anyone who's been in youth ministry or children, children's ministry knows that there's a lot of times where those parents are either poorly catechized or just never grew up in the faith. And so it's teaching young people, it's teaching, um, it's teaching spouses, it's teaching parents like how to evangelize um, and, 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 um, and, and sh just giving them different ways to do that so that they can do that. So if you're a DRE or a youth minister, um, you know, finding ways to help the domestic church not only do catechesis, but evangelization within the household and also with their neighbors, I think that's gonna be huge. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Thanks for bringing this topic up, Chris, because I think it's important. I think it's one we're going to need to revisit. Right? How do we live out the mission of the church? I think the more comfortable we get, the more ingrained in technology, you know, the more I, I just think all these things can sometimes hinder us from truly knowing our neighbor and truly staying focused on the mission. But I think that's a church-wide problem because, again, <clears throat> The question that is often asked is, what can my church do for me, not what can I do for my church? And that is a huge paradigm shift for us that I think we just need to grapple with. Uh, and we need to preach on it. We need to form on that and really encourage people to, to go out. But it, but it is huge. It's a paradigm shift. It's going to be different. It's going to be hard. This is going to be hard. Definitely. Well, John, thanks for uh, everything that you shared. And uh, for those of you who are listening, if you have questions or concerns or things that you want to um, bring up on the church podcast, uh, just shoot us an email at questions at the church podcast.org, or you can uh, visit our site, church podcast, uh, the church and leave a comment uh, there as well. Um, if you want to just get in touch with John, John, how can they best reach you? Yeah, visit us at parishsuccessgroup.com. All of our information is there. And I have a favor, Chris. I have a favor to ask of you, if, and hopefully it's a simple favor. October is a month that many of you are doing October mass counts. Uh, a few episodes ago, we talked about how I feel like there's a lack of data about people returning to church or not, uh, and I would love to get a little bit more data. So if you would be so kind, if willing, would you send us 
your October mass counts. We're not going to publish it. We're not going to share it with everybody, you know, but I, what I'm interested in is what does your October count look like compared to your October count from last year? Mm. I'm just really intrigued by that. I think there's some interesting research to be done there. And so if you're open to that, uh, you can send that directly to questions at the church podcast.org. Uh, be really intrigued by that. That'd be a huge favor for us. And that will allow us to kind of just, get a better pulse on what's happening in the church, especially as we start to reopen up from uh, the COVID world that we've been in. And another thing I would say to add to that is if your parish or your diocese has limitations and you're hitting that limitation to, to let us know as well, you know, um, uh, not only to compare it to last year, but also to say like, Hey, you know what? We're only allowed 200 people at a time and we're hitting 200 every single week. Um, just so that we can make sure that we, uh, are able to track those nuances. But I, I think um, for sure that would be definitely interesting data to look at as well. So um, if you wanna reach out to me, you can reach out to me at marathonyouthministry.com or all things Marathon Youth Ministry on social media. Um, but uh, again, you can reach us at thechurchpodcast.org. And if you liked this episode or past episodes, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere this podcast can be heard. And if you feel like it's worth sharing with someone, uh, please, feel free to share it. Um, and uh, thank you so much for your listenership. And again, John, I know I thanked you a thousand times, but thank you for sharing your story. Would you lead us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity as we continue to look to evangelize in this world that we're in, as we look to continue to spread the joy of the gospel and to really rethink how we do that today uh, in, in our 21st century church, not just because of COVID and how that's changed, but because it's our calling. It's because uh, of our baptismal call to go uh, and, and baptize all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord. So just be with us. Give us the creative you know, energy to, to pursue that, to pursue those conversations, to challenge ourselves and to challenge others, to really share the gospel, to share our relationship with Christ uh, with others as we go about doing your work. So Lord, continue to be with us as we continue on in this fall season. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.